25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, let's go. Let it rip, Tater Chip, hour two. I unplugged everything and plugged it back up. Beaver, is that good news? Hear that? Pouring my coffee in the cup from High Point Roasters in New Albany. High Point Roasters coffee in New Albany. Y'all need to get your coffee there. Go to highpointroasters.com. All right, here we go. So hour two is off and running with you on this Thursday. Lots to get to. A lot of football out there right now. I'm Matt. Matt Wyatt. Since Beaver is here today, I'll refer to myself as Matt Wyatt because that's what he calls me. He didn't call me Matt or Hey You. He just he says Matt Wyatt. It's always the full name for some reason. <laughs> I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. I was up way late last night working on videos, lost some sleep, need a little boost of energy, going to get it right now from the Sonic Boom. Coffee and the Sonic Boom ought to do it. That ought to do the trick. Yeah. Bang the drum. Come on. So, heads up. I mentioned a lawsuit in New Orleans Saints land. Uh, I'm sure you know about that. But first... The phone line is open to you, 995-1059. That's the Divinity phone. Hit me up on the text line as well, 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. That'll get your text in. You can tweet me anytime around the clock, at Radio Wyatt. Just tweet away. Just tweet away. Uh, be careful if you're a fan Listen, um, you know, there's always going to be negative people out there who, you know, are, are in your fan base. Okay, so whatever team you root for, college team, pro team, every fan base, you know, there's some people that are positive, too much so. <laughs> Not everything's rosy. There are some people who, like, go overboard trying to be positive, and so they're not realistic. There are the, you know, pragmatic Realistic ones have a little balance about it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. You've got to take it for what it is. But you also have a lot of people that kind of look for a way to be negative all the time. Those are the kinds of fans who 
they get a kick out of negative news about their team. I'll tell you, you know, if you're a state fan, you you know what I'm talking about. There are some people in media who it's kind of their thing to be negative. Negativity or, you know, that abrasive um, grading negative news type of thing, it actually sells pretty well. I mean, negativity can sell for sure. So as a fan, what I tell you, what I'm telling you is be careful. And if you're someone who is negative, be careful about being that fan who all you want to consume is the negative stuff. And I'm just telling you this because this time of year, the country is so crazy about football. We all are. That in the NFL and in college, it's dangerous. Some of the con well, dangerous is not the right word. That's let me take it back. It's not dangerous. Per definition, it is uh, misleading. It can be misleading. Some of the information that comes out of these preseason practices, NFL and college, from media stuff. Now, I'm not, and I posted a video about this earlier today, and I'm not picking on him at all because I think he's a, a good writer and a good kid and a good guy. So I'm not picking on him at all. But uh, Tyler Horka, who covers Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledger, he's just covering practice, and they gave him like just a few minutes to go out to practice last night. And in that few minutes he was out there, he had a video clip of a drop pass by one of the receivers. and So he just put it on Twitter, and he said, you know, drop passes were a problem last year, and here's one in this practice. <laughs> and so the connotation is, we're still dropping passes, and they can't catch. You know, that's the connotation for the negative fan. And whether or not Tyler Minnett that way, it's it's misleading sometimes to take a video clip of a dropped pass in preseason practice and distribute it from a media standpoint because then it, it can give the wrong impression. Um, it's like in the NFL. Some media person standing on the sideline with a cell phone films an incompletion thrown by a young quarterback who misses the throw and they tweet it and go, Boy, this guy's got a long way to go. I mean, it's practice. It's the equivalent of standing over the shoulder of a guy writing his article for the newspaper or for the website, and there's a grammatical error as he writes it. And you grab your phone and tweet it out, what he did, before he even has a chance to delete it, much less have an editor go through the entire story and get it right before it's published. It's the same thing. That's what practice is. I can tell you from experience, (laughs) there are times when you might be in a drill, and depending on which receiver you're working with or tight end or something, your coach may say, all right, hey, put this one up a little bit. Make Make him jump right here. Make him get off the ground. Extend his arms right here. He needs to work on that. Yeah. There are times when he may say, hey, put this on his back hip. Make him turn around. He needs to work on that. That's true. It happens. Okay, and imagine if you're a media person standing on the sideline filming with your cell phone because you want to give content to your consumers. And you put that video out there. It's like, 
boy, he really missed that throw. He threw it behind him. Well, they might have been working on something, for all you know. So it can be misleading. It just can very much be misleading. In the t- case of what Totter put out there last night, it was, um, I mean, the, the media, because it was the first full patch practice, was out there for literally only like 10 minutes. And it was a, um, a drop pass by Dedrick Thomas. Well, that's what went out on Twitter is he dropped a pass and it's in practice, one-on-one stuff. But in games last year, in games last year, Dedrick Thomas had the best drop rate of any receiver in the SEC. Of the opportunities that he got, Dedrick Thomas dropped the fewest. He didn't drop any, basically. Of the opportunities he got to catch the ball, he caught every single one of them. The best drop rate of any receiver in the SEC for the opportunities he got. So it could be misleading for him, too. He's, you know, preseason practice, it's hot as all get out. <laughs> You're doing a lot of stuff you would never do in a game. It's it's certainly practices are supposed to be harder than games. That's why you'd practice. And and we send out a video dropping a pass to make an example. So I'm what I'm telling you is that as a fan, as a fan and consumer of football content this kind this time of year, you have to be mindful of that. That man, practice is practice. Stuff you see in practice is a lot of times the reason you are seeing it in practice is so that you won't see it in a game. And and that so that stuff is relative. You you have to be careful the way you consume it. I, I saw one of those uh in recent years, an NFL guy covering NFL training camp, and I wanna say it was Eli Manning and the Giants, but it might have been somebody else. One of those deals where it was clear that the quarterback and the receiver were doing two different things. So they're doing one-on-one routes. The receiver runs a certain route. Quarterback's got to let the ball go on time. He lets it go and throws it to a spot. But the receiver ran some other route, totally on the wrong base. So like, there's this big gap between the football and the and some mushy-headed, non-athletic <laughs> media person tweeted that video out and said. Something to the effect of what a terrible throw he missed him by 10 yards. And I'm like, buddy, to anybody that has ever gone and played football and been a part of a practice, you just lost all your credibility for having any clue what's going on to have tweeted that. Yet, half the fan base doesn't know the difference either. So they just like, oh, what a terrible throw. Look how bad he missed him. Well, listen. Taking footage from practice in drills and one-on-one stuff and sending it out there as a as an evaluator of what is going on and whether progress is being made is just it's just it it, it, don't, it doesn't work. It's not that's not reality at all. So you gotta be careful. And again, I'm not picking on one guy. Because, you know, that particular example for State, anyway, was really benign. There are a lot of worse examples of that. But you as a fan, that's who I'm talking to. you got to be careful what you consume, how you consume it. You want to watch practice videos somebody puts out there? Fine. But to take some big takeaway from it, no. You know, it's like, let's let's watch this video of these quarterbacks and watch their throwing motion and 
You know who cares the least about their throwing motion? Their coach. <laughs> he's the one, and his job could depend on it, the success of it or not. And he's the one who cares the least about their throwing motion because he knows, number one, they're not being chased. Man, you're playing quarterback. You know, the rubber meets the road at quarterback when you're in full pads and you're being chased by somebody who is not your teammate. And all the practicing and preparing is to get you ready for that, but it doesn't completely get you ready for it. That's why it's, experience is so important. But it's still the practice can't get you completely ready for it. That's when it, the rubber meets the road. And so even now, <clears throat> you know that you've seen it. <clears throat> even now you've seen a lot of talk and like evaluating mechanics of this quarterback and how he throws it and this guy and his footwork. And we're watching them in shorts and helmets going through drills on a practice field. It's why I called the Manning Passing Academy. It's the Underwear Olympics. It really kind of is. It's a cool event. It's a great event. But it's not football, football. And let me give you an example. Have you ever gone and watched like college players or even pro players in baseball take batting practice? And you'll see guys in the batting cage, even at the highest level in the majors. But certainly you see it in high school and college, good players. When they're taking batting practice in the batting cage, not in a game, obviously, they swing the bat, they make contact, hit the baseball, and with their follow-through, they follow through with one hand on the bat. They take their top hand off and just follow through with the bottom hand that's down there by the knob of the bat. That's kind of their swing and batting practice. They swing, they hit it, and follow through with one hand. And that same hitter, during an actual game, every time he puts a ball in play, he follows through with two hands and then runs to first base. He never takes his top hand off the bat when he actually makes contact in a game. So this it's a minor thing, but it's a difference in how you're hitting the baseball and your mechanics of hitting the baseball and follow through batting practice versus the game. Why? Because the game's happening faster. Because the game is always different than practice. It just is. Now, that's a baseball analogy, but it's true really in any sport, and it's true in football. So what I'm telling you is, yes, get excited about the preseason and seeing practice and hearing about it and consuming it and what it means for your team and read what the coaches say and listen to what the coaches say about how it's going. But be very mindful that 90% of the content you're getting during the preseason you can't look at it. You as fans and media who are putting it out there can't look at it and make any kind of evaluation of a player or a scheme or a team because you just don't know. That stuff is not what it's for. It's like you can't watch batting practice in the cage, watch your favorite high school team take batting practice in the cage and get any kind of indication of how they're going to play in a game. That's why they're different. All right, we started something back in May here on the show. It was a countdown of 100 teams in 100 days leading up to the start of the college football season. 
And I skipped it yesterday. And I want to hit it now. So let me give you the calculation here. You ready for this? Better look at your calendar. You probably already know. Today, 23 days from right now. Yesterday would have been 24. So we're going to do yesterday's team, which is team number 24. Today's team, which is team number 23. And I'm using the football power index. All right. So countdown, 100 teams, 100 days. Yesterday was 24. Team number 24 on the countdown. Hook them. The Texas Longhorns. That's not a bad fight song at all. I don't mind it at all. Man, that game in week two of the season, Texas is going to host LSU out in Austin. How cool is that? Saturday, September the 7th. The LSU Tigers go rolling into Austin. Yep. In the Big 12, they play nine conference games. All three of Texas's non-conference games are in weeks one, two, and three. So they're going to host La Tech on August 31st. Then they host LSU the next week. Then they host Rice. And then they'll jump into uh, Big 12 play at the end of September. So the last Saturday in September, it's Texas hosting Oklahoma State. First four games of the year for Texas are at home. And uh, then you look at the month of October, four games in October for the Longhorns, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas, and TCU. West Virginia and TCU are true road games for Texas. They'll host Kansas at home, and, of course, they play Oklahoma in that neutral site deal in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium, right? Don't they still play it there? I'm sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. Yes, I know it's a neutral site game, but I think it's the old Cotton Bowl. November games for Kansas are host. I'm sorry. For Texas, November games for Texas are hosting Kansas State at Iowa State at Baylor, and then they finish up the year the day after Thanksgiving hosting Texas Tech. ESPN, FBI, FPI, I can't talk today. FPI has them as uh, favored in seven of their games, underdogs in five others. They only give them a 25% chance to beat LSU in Austin. What do you think about that? It's the same Texas team that beat up on Georgia in their bowl game. What was that, the Sugar Bowl? Beat them 28-21. They won the game. They beat Georgia by a touchdown in a game that Georgia was they are uninterested. You can say what you want. They're uninterested. Been there, done that. They were uninterested. <laughs> they just were. The other song that the Texas band plays, I love it. Deep in the heart of Texas. You know the song, The Stars at Night are Big and Bright. That whole deal. So that's Texas. The other team that's on the list would be team number 23, and that would be the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa coming off that bowl win 
in the Outback Bowl over Mississippi State. Never should have won that game. Never should have won that game. I don't know how they won it. But um, Nate Stanley, a very underrated quarterback. Big, tall, strong, tough. You know, probably going to get a shot in the NFL. Really productive for Iowa. Nate Stanley. They lose two first-round tight ends, but uh, that's about it. Got some guys back on defense. Iowa projected win-loss this year according to the ESPN Football Power Index. Right at eight wins, 7.9 anyway. Uh, So that's a look at Iowa. Let's see. Non-conference for Iowa would be Miami of Ohio, Rutgers from the Big Ten, and Middle Tennessee State. Tell you what, tough schedule for Iowa this year. Road games at Michigan, at Wisconsin, home games with Penn State, and Purdue. They also have to go to Iowa State for their rivalry game. So, anyway, look at those couple teams right there. Who texted me that? Who texted and said, yeah, that's right, I'd forgotten about it. We were talking sports movies earlier. Mississippi State starred in The Program. I wasn't a big fan of that movie. I mean, it's cool and all, football. It's kind of neat, but not a huge fan of it. All right, I'm coming to the phone line next, if you can hang on. If not, just hit me back up, 995-1059 on the Divinity phone. That's coming up on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Appreciate Beaver driving the bus. Keeping it between the ditches. Going to get us home safely in the driveway in about a half an hour from right now. Looking forward to that. I know you are too. So hats off to Beaver. Yeah, this whole thing of... I don't know. Media stuff. And I'm going to look at Twitter video of a clip from practice. And it's going to tell me how good or not good some player on my favorite team is. I mean, it's the same kind of outlook on sports, the same lens, like people that are into fantasy stuff, and they use the stats to to tell me what my opinions of players should be. Stats. Fantasy. It's like yesterday, I was talking about Ezekiel Elliott, and I made the statement that in any situation for a running back, I want him. Throwing him the ball? Yeah. I want him. <laughs> Screen? Yeah. Line him up wide? Yeah. And the guy called in, I think it was Rob, called in yesterday, and he told me I was crazy. And he rattled off a bunch of statistics. It sounded like a fantasy sports guy. And there's nothing wrong with fantasy sports. But, man, if you think lining them up according to their stats is what we're going to go by on the way I look at football, that is just not it at all. Mountain Dog and Lou Dog, I'm coming to you, but I just one quick more statement on that. Again, it's like we're going to go as fantasy. Well, he was, you know, 10th in yards 
receiving, and he was 11th in receiving touchdown. You think I care? I want Zeke. So he was the leading rusher yards-wise in the NFL last year. Okay. Two was Saquon Barkley, and then Todd Gurley, and then Mixon, and then the guy up in Seattle. McCaffrey's in the top six. Derrick Henry's in there. Nick Chubb. Okay. All these guys. Every one of them. Line them all up and give me a situation. On the goal line, got to punch it in. You know how I want Zeke. I'm on the 50, and it's third and 15, and I'm running a draw to get into field goal range. You know who I want? Zeke. Pass rush is relentless. I want to throw a screen on second down to catch him. You know who I want? Zeke. They did this last year, this fourth scenario. They did this last year. We got nobody at receiver to threaten that defense. I want to line my running back up out on the numbers and throw him a route down the field. You know who I want? I want Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> you telling me in any of those on the goal line, five yards out, a draw at midfield, running a screen on second and nine, you want Gurley over Zeke in every scenario? Barkley, McCaffrey, Henry, Line them up. I don't. I, I'm, I'm taking him first every time. And I don't care if he was the 10th in receiving yards, 11th in receiving touchdowns. It means nothing. I'm looking at, at it from the standpoint of I've got the football. The clock's ticking at 40 seconds on the play clock. we got to call a play and score. He's the one I want. All right, here we go. Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. I appreciate you all hanging on so long. Mountain Dog, you're up first. What's up? Man, you get a double dose of Mountain Dog today. It's all right. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, uh, real quickly, uh, you know, you're talking about Texas, and I was wanting to respond to that. Um, Texas is by far, because I lived in Texas for a number of years, Texas is by far the thought-of program in the state of Texas. Okay. Versus like Texas A and M, there's some. It's weird. I mean, it's like Texas is the mecca. Yeah. Okay. You know, and and everybody in Texas knows Texas, and I think the reason we're familiar with those fight songs and stuff is you've heard them on TV so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in movies and stuff like that, and it's just one of those songs you just keep in your head. But I did want to tell you, I went to the first game that SMU got off probation, and they played Texas, and Texas could have scored. 300 points on them if they wanted to. <laughs> it was like a bunch of walk-ons versus the number three team in the nation. They played at Owens Field, which is the soccer stadium at SMU. Mm-hmm. And it was just unbelievable. But, you know, Texas, I think they'll get it back together with Herman and be right back where they used to be. Yeah, I think they're on that track. It certainly looks that way. Mountain Dog, thanks for the call, and I appreciate you hanging on. Yeah, the the, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Every time I hear that song, I think about Pee-wee's big adventure. And that time he went to the Alamo. Or it was, he was, yeah, that was in that movie, right? Yeah. And he clapped. Stars at night are big and bright. And he goes, <laughs> they all stood up. <laughs> Pee-wee's big adventure. Lou Dog. Has hung on a long time on the Divinity phone. I appreciate it. What's up, Luke? What's up? Yo. They, uh, I got an older story for Jerry Clower since you're a Jerry Clower fan. 
Really? Okay, um, let me hear it. No, it goes back. My dad was a graduate of 1949 Mississippi State. Okay. Um, he was in a fraternity, not Phi Kappa Tau at Mississippi State. And I'm not sure if he was president or not, but anyway, he got the duty of getting everybody together to do song fest. Back then, they had during Christmas, they had a song fest, and all the Greeks had to perform. Okay. And so you got to remember all these guys, 1948, 49, are coming out of World War II. They're not little 18-year-old snotty-nosed kids. They're veterans. Right. And so they all had to go do this song fest. Well, Dad got them all together and did a practice and tried to get them to sing. And none of them could carry a note in a bucket. <laughs> okay? And so Jerry Clower was a member of the fraternity. Jerry Clower says, I'll take care of this. So he gets them all up on the stage and they're practicing. And he says, okay, we can't sing. Got that. Let's, at least y'all can hum. Y'all hum something like Jingle Bells or something. So they hummed the tongue Jingle Bells. Well, uh, he said, okay, that's it. That's enough practice. We'll see y'all. We'll be there at the song fest. See y'all at the song fest. Oh man. So, oh man, this is not good. So they go to the song fest and they get up on the stage and start turning to sing. Jerry Clark gets up and starts them, gets them to start humming. And he proceeds to turn around and face the audience and proceeds to tell one of his funny stories, <laughs> brings the house down, wins the song fest. <laughs> so they won the whole thing and didn't even sing, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a great story. And you can just picture it, can't you? You can picture Yeah, it. you can picture these guys. These guys are all World War II veterans. They're not, you know, little 18-year-old kids, you know? Right. Yeah, so they're humming jingle bells while he tells a funny story. <laughs> that's fantastic. <clears throat> Lou Dog, that's, that's a true story. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. A little, Amer- little Americana for you. Yeah. Well, I can't get enough of it. I, the only regret I have, Lou, is that I didn't get to, with schedule stuff, I didn't get to go to the Jerry Clower Festival in Yazoo City um, back, I oh, want to I think it was back in June, maybe, and we had all that baseball stuff going on. Um, yeah. Neil and I, Neil Price and I both threatened to get together and go to that. We just couldn't pull it off with our schedules. But I think we're going to plan around it next year and kind of go see what it's like because they have a bunch of Jerry Clower impersonators, apparently, that come up there and, you know, try to do what he did. So, really? I just, I, yeah, yeah, I've got to go see it. Put it on your list. That'd be cool. Yeah. Do it. Do it. All right, man. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye. Great story from Lou. The fraternity just could not sing. They couldn't carry a tune. So Jerry made them hum. Said, that's enough practice. And just let them hum. And he told stories. And they won the, the song fest. How about that? They still do that? They still have a song fest for the fraternities at, at State? What do fraternities do? Somebody tell me that. <laughs> what are they for and what do they do? <laughs> you can tell I wasn't in one. My fraternity tried to win a football game seven or 12, 11 Saturdays out of the year. <laughs> that was my fraternity. <clears throat> Good old Jerry Clower. All right, here we go. Duh, let's see. Over here on the text line. 885-ESPN is a text line. 
Hit me up over there, 885-ESPN or the number 885-3776. Uh, yeah, we were talking about statistics earlier. <laughs> the, hey, and Fluffy Bottoms, the, the line that I threw at Rob yesterday on the phone as I said, you know, statistics are like a bikini. They will show you a lot, but certainly not everything. Mark Twain said, there are three kinds of lies. Lies, lies, and statistics. That's it. That's about right. <laughs> JR says, hey, man, I don't think I would have told everybody I watched Pee Wee's Adventure. <laughs> well, I was a kid, JR. And you know how it is. You watch a movie when you're a kid and you still carry this affinity for it for the rest of your life. Yeah, when I was a kid, I watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure and he went to the Alamo. Remember remember the ghost tr- truck driver? Marge and her eyes popped out of her head, you know? It's a funny movie. When we come back, we'll find out if Beaver was in a fraternity. That's coming up. <laughs> Live in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. You know what I had for lunch, Beaver? What's that? You may not want to hear it. You haven't had lunch yet, have you? I have not eaten a thing today, so don't you dare tell me something super delicious. Well, it's not going to make you jealous, I promise you. Yeah, all right. So with with this schedule, you know, being on the air every day from 12 to 2, there are a lot of days that I don't eat anything until probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) It's just, you know, I don't I don't wake up thinking about big breakfasts and stuff and and then I'll get busy with working and doing several different irons in the fire and the show's about to start and I haven't eaten, right? So it's you know, a lot, there are a lot of days it's three o'clock in the afternoon before I eat anything. And so my wife the other day, I, just a couple of days ago, might have been yesterday, I, I can't remember for sure, but I'm on the air, it's in the second hour of the show. And I just started feeling bad. And I've had this for a long time where just every now and then something in your system gets out of whack and you you bust out in a sweat, start feeling sick, not feeling good. And then this overwhelming hunger just hits you and you have to cram some food in your mouth to feel better. <laughs> People say it's like a blood sugar thing. I don't know. 
But that happened in the middle of the radio show. I'm talking to Roger, and I started seeing stars, and I busted out in a sweat, feeling woozy. Did not feel like being on the radio. And my wife says it's because I hadn't had a single bite to eat. And it was like, you know, 1.40 in the afternoon. And I was waiting to eat. So today, to, to head this off, she, I'm in the home office, home studio. And she brought me some lunch before the show began. So at around... You know, 11 o'clock, 11.15. And here's what was on the plate, Beaver. Cheetos. Oreo cookies. And a corn dog. With some mustard and ketchup. <laughs> uh, so, how old is your little girl, Matt? <laughs> Why do you ask? She's eight years old. <clears throat> well, because that's the same lunch that I believe an eight-year-old would enjoy. Exactly. Well, look, here's the thing. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I know I would, too. Look, man, people can say what they want, making fun of LSU fans about this corn dog stuff. But they're good. They are good. I don't hear you agreeing with me. You must not like corn dogs. I don't like corn dogs. Okay, well, I like them. I could eat them every day. (laughs) I really could eat a corn dog (laughs) every day and be okay with it. Beaver, listen, don't ever, and, and anybody listening, don't ever be confused and think and let anything give you the impression that I, Matt Wyatt, as you refer to me, Beaver, Matt Wyatt, by my full name all the time. Don't ever get the impression that Matt Wyatt is is a foodie, (laughs) is a connoisseur of fine meats and, (laughs) you know, don't ever get the impression that I am a culinary uh I'm that I'm a I appreciate the culinary fine arts because I it ain't that ain't me man yeah no clearly we've established the meats <laughs> that you're eating are largely going to be on a stick and breaded <laughs> and that needs to be mobile yeah. Who, seriously that's the thing that amazes me about the restaurant business is apparently how many people have time to sit down and eat for an hour who has that kind of time I don't understand that. <laughs> Much less twice a day. Anyway, that's the thing about meat on a stick. You can eat it on the go. <laughs> it's like the ESPN app. <laughs> I don't have to sit still. <clears throat> yeah, that's not me, man. Now, to say that, can I walk up into a nice restaurant and sit down and enjoy a big Steak cooked medium rare. Yeah. You bet. Fit right in. Is it on my mind when I wake up? No. Uh Uh-uh. Am I going to turn my nose up at two bologna sandwiches and some golden flake potato chips? No. Give it to me (laughs) on a paper plate. I'm fine with it. 
You know, and I, th- I think I've listened to just enough of your show, The Gridiron, with um, with Chris to get the sense that he's kind of the same way, but he's picky about it. <laughs> yeah, he's so very picky. Yeah, but he's not, yeah, Chris isn't, he's not a fancy man either. You know, he doesn't require fancy foods. Right. Um, but as long as they don't touch each other on his plate, he seems to be fine. Right. He's He likes the military plate. He needs yeah. it to be divided. Yeah. All right, so let's have a test here. Fish sticks, yes or no? Absolutely. Love them. Me too, Beaver. And I haven't had any in a long time, but now I'm thinking about it. Um, Homemade bologna sandwich on white bread. Yes, give it to me. Br- give it to me. Here's the real test. Peanut butter and banana sandwich. All day. Bring it! I, I can't even see you, but I'm fist pumping you right now. You don't even know it. Well, I'm doing the same to you. Fist pump. From all these miles away. Hey, Beaver, you put the peanut butter on two slices of bread and then cut up the banana? Or are you the put it in a bowl and mash it up all together? Oh, oh, I'm glad you have gotten to this because now with peanut butter and banana, I'm just going to put it in the I'm just going to put it on the bread, put the banana in. Uh-huh. Now, since we're speaking though of peanut butter, Matt, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Why does it taste so much different when you mix those in a bowl mm-hmm. and put them together? Cuz that is the ultimate. That's the delicious. It does it does taste different. I prefer Peanut butter one slice and jelly on the other. That's what I prefer. Now, if you mix it up, I'm going to eat it but and not complain. But you're right. It does taste different. Why does the taste change when you mix it? Yeah, I, I've i never known. Can I give you Always one wondered. more? I will tell you that I have had these in my life, and I have enjoyed them. It's been many, 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 many years before, since I've made one. But I will admit I've eaten them and enjoyed them. And that is, here we go. A mayonnaise and banana sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) He's puking. Come on. It ain't that bad. Uh, Yeah, it's bad, Matt. I've never had it. I've heard several people mention it, and I always have the same reaction. You got to try it. Don't knock it until you try it, man. (laughs) All right. Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The Big Orange Fleet, you can get it at Divinity. Let's go to Chicken Hawk. Hey, Chicken Hawk, you ever had mayonnaise? I can't speak. You ever had mayonnaise and banana oh. sandwich? Well, let me help in the school, both of y'all, but it's always got a big fleet plate. But uh, I can't really talk because I didn't hear my voice. Well, but listen, uh, Beaver doesn't know the where it is on the oh, okay. button because Roger's oh, not okay. here, so okay. that's all right. Okay, look. You got to put mayonnaise blue plate on both pieces of bread. I mean, lather it on there pretty thick, and then cut a whole banana and put it on there and just smash it flat. Mm-hmm. And that is like, oh, but look at here. Now, here's the real deal. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah, go. yeah. Right, now, look at him. You're going you to want to, like, uh, pay a little bit of the sonic boom when I drop this on you. Beaver, he done you wrong a while ago, but that was pretty cool, man. <laughs> I mean, bull. Um, but I mean, Bob's tail. But look, here, I got some, uh, I got some uh, breaking news in a minute. But let me let me break this on. Uh, you got to put peanut butter on both pieces of bread, put some mayonnaise on both pieces of bread, 
Then get you some Smucker's Great Jelly, peanut butter, mayonnaise, and jelly sandwich. If you ain't, yeah, have you ever tried it? No. Try it tonight, please. Okay. Try it tonight. Get right. mama to make. But now here's the breaking news. You got my breaking news music. Um, no. Let me see again. That's a Roger thing. I don't think I. No, yeah. you, you're just gonna have to give it to us. I'm sorry, I don't have it. Well, but look, look here. That place falls apart. I thought my man <laughs> was the man, but now I'm finna have to swap up and go to Roger Dodger there, Bob. Said. But look at him. Uh, talk to Anetta again. I I figured they were gonna sign Nick, you know, as a uh, tight end or special team. They signed him as a backup for Jameis. Okay. So he is going to be a quarterback down there for Tampa Bay, and they give him his old Hale State number. He's going to be that old number seven. All like right. Day. Okay, well, we'll finish it yep. out a little news then, and we'll watch these preseason games this weekend and try to watch him play if he's healthy. Chicken Hawk, we got you in before hey. the music started. Thank you. Hey. Hey. See you. That's Chicken Hawk. Over and out. Peanut butter, mayonnaise, and jelly. Beaver, try that and report back to us tomorrow. <laughs> um, I, I make no promises. <laughs> all right. Have a good day, buddy. All right. Thank you all for listening to the show in the Farm Bureau studio. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. See ya. <laughs>